The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Speak, O Lord. That was a brand new uh, song to me. What a powerful message from the Word of God. First Thessalonians, as our boys and girls are being dismissed, chapter number 4. And you say, Pastor, we're not in Ephesians. I know. And uh, I tell you, you know, sometimes God just uh, rearranges my preaching calendar. As uh, we uh, in the bulletin see, there's two different messages that were on schedule, one for the morning, one for the evening. And uh, God just had me here toward the latter end of the week kind of rewrite everything. Uh, I just could not get chapter number 5 of First Thessalonians off my heart and mind uh, throughout Friday, Saturday, even into late Saturday night at home uh, in my uh, chair in the living room. Uh, there's uh, a, a definite uh, directing from the Lord for us to examine this topic uh, as a whole church, not just uh, for those that happen to come at the 5 o'clock hour Sunday night. And by the way, I do want to encourage you to come at that 5 o'clock hour. It is important. Matter of fact, uh, today... Uh, this will be two parts. Uh, you're going to uh, hopefully open up the heart for the first half of the message. And then uh, my prayer is that you would just allow your schedule to be rearranged, whatever it might be. And I, I know if there's an anniversary, birthday, something important. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times uh, it's not the important things that keep us away from God's house. It's the unimportant things. Uh, it's things like I get a little too comfortable or there's a football game on or... Uh, you know, maybe it's just uh, I want to go out for dinner and the dinner lasts a little long and now it's just too late to go to church. Or uh, maybe it's just uh, the heartbeat that I got a relative come over or, or, or you know, all kinds of things that Satan can do uh, to cause us to, to really not allow God and his day and the preaching of God's word to become the primary thing in our life. Uh, can I tell you something? The Bible says the nearer we come to the coming of the Lord... Uh, we ought to all the more be with God's people in his house. Uh, why is it in the day and age that we're living that it seems like God's people feel like I need less and less of God's word? And, and yet the truth is, folks, we don't need less and less of it. We need more and more of it. And so much the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Can I ask you a question this morning as we start? Do you have any sense stirring in your spirit that we're seeing the day of the Lord approaching? Uh, do we have this understanding here that we are living in some very exciting days? I mean, there are things that are taking place in nature and, and things that are taking place uh, all over the world uh, that uh, we need to spiritually perk up our ears and say, God, what, uh, what, what is the, the calendar of events and what's coming? And God, am I ready? And, and have I sharpened myself? And am I walking as a child of God ought to be walking in these very last days? Folks, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't have all that many more Sundays to gather together in the name of Jesus Christ. And yet we have some Christians that are slumbering we're sleeping, we're wasting time and talent, we're not redeeming the time because the days are evil, we're playing. And in our playtime, 
we're oblivious to what's going on all around us. Message this morning is going to be a real serious message. And uh, it is going to be something that I'm going to pray that God will just grip my heart, but grip all of our hearts. And that we recognize that God in His Word is desiring for His church to wake up from its slumber. And wake up from its sleep. And be serious and be sober. And that's the message of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And uh, I could not just go into that for an evening service. I felt like uh, this message is a message for the entire church. And uh, it's a message that I hope that you will be seriously taking to heart the song that was sung just before. Uh, God, would you help me now? Uh, as you speak, uh, as you teach, help me to be receptive and help me to be obedient. I want us to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, the last couple of verses, and then we're going to go right into chapter number 5. I, I will go as far as I can in the time allowed, and, and I, I, I'm just asking that if you have the ability to take notes, that you, you, you might uh, want to take some notes We're dealing with the soon return of the Savior as well as what the Bible describes in chapter number 5 as the day of the Lord. I've got to be honest with you. There's a lot of folks that are very confused because they're conflating two separate things. They're conflating Jesus coming again with the day of the Lord. I remember a long time ago, I was still lost. My wife and I went to a Christian film at a church called A Thief in the Night. How many remember that? That's going back a few years, right? A Thief in the Night. And, and many times we look at that because the, the, the film was all about the second coming of Jesus Christ, but then they use the term a thief in the night, and what they've done is they've conflated two distinct events. Two things that God teaches that ought to be separate, and because we're combining these, we're all confused about our eschatology. We're all confused about the coming of the Lord, and the hearts of so many Christians are, are, are fearful that maybe we'll have to go to the tribulation. Maybe as Christians, there's going to be a time here where we're going to have to uh, go through that uh, and, and all the dark things that are said here about the day of the Lord. Because in our mind, we're thinking, oh, the day of the Lord, coming as a thief, the rapture. Well, that's not the Bible teaching. We're going to see that this morning. I am asking that God would help us to come to the conclusion that Paul is through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that is that we ought to be comforting one another. Not all fearful about what's about to take place. That we would comfort each other with the reality that God's on the throne, that his calendar is moving forward, that we as his children, uh, there's nothing that has to happen before Jesus Christ comes. He could come in the middle of this message. Hallelujah. I, I, I always thought, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to do? You know, be in church with God's people. We all get to go up together. There's nothing I would rather be doing than preaching God's word and right in the middle of a sentence, gone. That would be amazing. What a, what, what a wonderful farewell to this old world. Now, the Bible tells us here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 15. Let's start there. 
Chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So here the focus is on the soon return, the imminent return of Jesus Christ. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangels, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And to the church, the Bible says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now there is a transition that's going to take place right here. And the transition is from the words of comfort concerning the soon return of Jesus Christ to some sobering words in chapter number 5. Sobering words that deal with the day of the Lord. Sobering words here that cause us to look at this and and, and maybe our hearts would would be filled with fear instead of comfort as we go on to chapter 5. Notice the first word, but. This is a contrast. But. In contrast to the reality that the church is going to be snatched away, that we are going to have an opportunity to be caught up out of this world into the very presence of God, but of the times and of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now that passage, listen carefully, does not say the Lord's coming as a thief in the night, does it? Did you look at it? It doesn't say the Lord's coming as a thief in the night. What does it say? The day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. What a, what a difference. Too many Christians here, we, we, we read over the word of God so quickly, we don't pause to just, what is God saying? What is God's message here to the church? Well, now there's a transition, but... Oh, man, take comfort in the fact that Jesus is coming again and the church is going to be taken out of this old world. But, verse 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Not the Lord's coming, the day of the Lord. We're going to explain that. The next verse says, For when they shall say, the pronouns are so important in the text, See, first if it's all, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. What's he saying? He's saying, we as a church, we're out of here. Amen? We're going to be with God in glory. That's the message here of chapter 4. But now chapter number 5, the pronouns are all changing. It's not we, it's not us. The pronouns now change. Do you see it in verse 3? For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon who? Them. As travail upon a woman. Remember that illustration because the day of the Lord in the Old Testament uh, uses the illustration of this travail. We'll come back to it. Travail with child and they shall not escape. Who won't escape? They. Right? They. They will not escape. But Ye, brethren, are not in what? Darkness. That that day should overtake you. Isn't that a blessing? 
All right, so the we passages is all about the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We get to be with the Lord forever. But then when we talk about the day of the Lord, now the emphasis shifts here to the lost, to those that are in darkness, to those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's put it this way. Everybody that's left behind. Everybody that's left behind are now headed for what the Bible describes is the day of the Lord. You say, explain that to me, Pastor. Well, you know, humanity has had quite a run for almost 6,000 years. And it's been really, through these 6,000 years, man enthroning himself above God. And boy, we're seeing uh, an escalating of that mentality in the world today. Uh, Atheism is on the rise. Uh, All men here are becoming gods unto themselves. A humility before God is so rare to see in this day, in this age. Why? Because we're in the age of man. By by the way, way, the Bible tells us, Peter wrote, uh, from the Lord's perspective, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. It's interesting that man was created on the sixth what? Day. It's interesting that we're coming to the end of approximately 6,000 years of what? Human history. The number six is the number of man. And then we see biblically that there's to be a a seven-year time of great tribulation. You'll find out all about that from Revelation 6 right through chapter number 19. But then the Bible does tell us about this 1,000-year millennial reign. And I personally believe that the day of the Lord begins sometime in that tribulation period and that it runs its full course. First, the night. The night, the darkness, all that's going to come upon this world in those seven years. But then the glorious daylight of that thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. Glory. He will establish His authority in this old world. And you that are believers, the Bible says we get to come back with Him from glory. And we will rule and reign with him. Now, if we are coming to the end of that 6,000 year reign and that seventh day of rest is a representation of that millennial kingdom, then folks, the Bible says, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus, our Redeemer, could come at any point. There's nothing prophetically that has to take place before Jesus Christ comes. There's no reason for Jesus not to come today. There's no reason for Jesus Christ not to come in the middle of this week or come before anniversary Sunday or come in the evening of anniversary Sunday. There's no reason Jesus could come at any time. Of course, he knows that last person that will be saved. And when that last person is saved, can I tell you what? Jesus is going to come in the clouds for his saints. And we're going to be caught up together with the Lord. Let's just bow. I want to pray. I want to ask God to make our hearts receptive to his word. Lord, we desperately need you right now. Lord, I am not going to be able to articulate what uh, the Lord really needs to be done without the filling. And uh, Lord, uh, your Holy Spirit accompanying your word 
driving it into our heart. God, would you just take all the rest of what's going on in our, our, our minds in this moment and, and help us to push that aside so that we can focus on your truth? Thank you, God, for the wonderful truth of 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. Awake it in our hearts and our spirits so that it would change us as we understand that maybe today my Lord will come for me. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, number one this morning, let's look at in your notes, just write the word coming. And uh, for those that were with us last Sunday evening, this is a slight review. His coming is described to us as we read there in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Three things are taking place. Number one, the revelation of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. Would you look at it? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So Paul is not teaching some new doctrine, some new truth that he's dreamed up. He's saying this is the Lord. It's his doctrine. It's what he's teaching. It's, it's a revelation from God. And, and folks, we can take that to the bank. I, I was reading this week about uh, a, a charismatic prophet of God that uh, was prophesying. He's already prophesied 52 times concerning Jesus Christ coming again. It didn't stop him from prophesying once again that Jesus Christ was going to come September 9th. And he was so sure that Jesus was coming September 9th that he went on social media and he said, listen, if it doesn't happen this time, I'm a false prophet. Can I tell you something? He was a false prophet from the first uh, uh, prognosis or, or, or first time that he, 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 he said, this is when Jesus is coming. Can I tell you, we don't know. We don't know when Jesus is going to come. All we need to know is that he could come at any time. That's what we need to know. I, I'm not trying to figure out, listen, does that give me another month? You know, do I have another year? Do I have another decade? Uh, what does it mean for me? It just means that we, as God's people, need to be prepared. So there is a revelation. It's by the word of the Lord. And the revelation is, let her be, his return. Jesus is coming again. Oh, that ought to be the song on our hearts and on our lips, on our minds, that, listen, maybe today my Lord will come for me. This could be the day, the crowning day. The day when this world is left behind and we are ushered into the very presence of God. That, that's re- given to us there in verse number 15 as well. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. There will be a generation of Christians that will not face physical death. They will be ushered out of this place. And that was the hope of the believer. The revelation, letter A, the return, letter B, the resurrection, letter C. Look at the very next verse. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangels. By the way, the angels prophesied this same Jesus, which you see go up into heaven, will come in like manner. And the Bible says there in Acts 1.11 that he went up in the clouds and he's coming back in the clouds. And I'm meeting him, not in Memphis, you know, not in Paris, not in England. I'm meeting him in the air. You say, how will we know uh, who the true Jesus is? It's the one that 
can set up a meeting in the sky. That's the true one. Everybody else, they're frauds, they're phonies, they're fakes, they're false Christs. They're saying, oh, he's here. I remember Benny Hinn years ago talked about uh, the, the reality that somehow Jesus was physically coming to a certain place in Africa. Well, it tells me that he doesn't know his Bible. He's an apostate. And uh, the reality, Jesus says, is don't you go running any physical place to meet Jesus. If you're a true believer, you're going to meet him in the air. That's what the Bible says. And that's where we stand. You know, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, the resurrection of all those that have died in Jesus Christ, that's what's going to take place here. By the way, I want you to be comforted in this reality. To be absent from the body is to be present with who? The Lord. You know, your spirit is with God uh, if you're a believer, and uh, uh, this old body gives way. When we talk about sleep, we, we're not talking about our soul being asleep. We're just talking about the body at rest. That's all that's taking place. Uh, some folks get all confused about reading uh, different texts. Well, listen, don't, don't worry about that. Right now, uh, there are those that know Jesus as their Savior. Uh, their, uh, uh, their remains in this world are going to be uh, brought, ushered into the presence of God there when Jesus comes. That's the first resurrection. And uh, what, a, what a day that will be as uh, folks here uh, will be uh, resurrected uh, and uh, uh, also a reunion as far as what the Bible says uh, there in uh, verse number 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Isn't that a blessing? All right. So number one, you wrote the word coming. Number two, I want you to write the word comfort. Comfort. For the very end of this passage, verse number 18 simply says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. God's desiring that Christians are not ignorant concerning the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, there are so many passages in Scripture that help us to see that the church is not going through the tribulation. You know, one of them is simply the chronology of the book of Revelation. The Bible talks about the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter number 3. But do you know from Revelation here, chapter uh, number 4, verse 1 through 22, verse 13, there is no mention of the ecclesia, the church. It's not mentioned. Why isn't it mentioned? Because that passage is all about the tribulation. You say, well, what happened to the church in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3? Well, the Bible says, chapter 4, verse 1, after the seven churches described there, representing here the churches of all time, and dispensationally here, different churches in different times, that chapter 4, verse 1, John was commanded to come up hither, a representative of that church age, Come up here there, Menetau-tau. Just, we, we, we're, we're leaving this old place and we're coming into the presence of God. The very next scene that you have in Revelation 4 is the four uh, and, and uh, uh, 20 elders uh, representing, I believe, the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints. And where are they? They're in the throne room of God. And everything that happens now from chapter 5 
right through is really the church is safe with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and what's going to take place is this beginning of the day of the Lord down here. Can I tell you something? You and I need to be very much aware of the day of the Lord because it's going to impact every person we know that's not saved. It ought to, it ought to transform our heart when it comes to those that we know. And when it becomes real to us, we recognize that they're headed for the day of the Lord. They're going to have to live through this day of the Lord. My, my grandkids will have to experience all the horror of the day of the Lord. My kids, if they don't know the Lord. My neighbors, if they don't know the Lord. My coworkers, if they don't know the Lord. My relatives, if they don't know the Lord. They will have to endure the day of the Lord. That's why the teaching is here. It's to stir up the church. It's to cause us to recognize that, listen, the, the time is short. We need to redeem the time. We can't be playing church anymore. We've got to wake up and recognize that every opportunity God gives us, we must seize. And so this coming of the Lord is reflected there, this eminent return in just how the book of Revelation is laid out. By the way, Paul expected Jesus to come again. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And then it goes on, and he talks about, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a trump of the archangel, with a, with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we... What's Paul saying? He's saying, I'm a part of it. He was looking for the eminent return of Jesus Christ. He was saying, listen, church, we're, Jesus could come at any time, and we are going to be a part of this. And every generation of believers from that moment to this moment have looked for the coming of the Savior. John's expectation was that Jesus would come as he closes out the book of Revelation 22, verse number 20. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Just come. Oh, the heartbeat of every child of God is, Lord, we want you to come. So the coming, number one. Number two, the comfort. Comfort. Comfort in what? Comfort in the rapture. Letter A, comfort in the rapture. Oh, folks, if we had the slightest idea, the horror right now that people are feeling as this hurricane's coming up through Florida is nothing like the horror that's coming on the whole world. Just read the scripture. Read the description of what God has to say about this coming day of vengeance and judgment. Read about, oh, the wrath of God is going to be unleashed on this old world. And then stand by. And keep your mouth closed. And don't warn folks that are headed for this day of the Lord. Let's read it now. The calamity, starting in chapter number 5. I, I need you to just grab a hold of this this morning. As God gripped my heart with this truth, I'm asking that God would do the same with you. Would you look at this, the calamity? The calamity. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. First of all, let's look at the timing, letter A, the timing. 
The times and the seasons. The times and the seasons. That word times is found three different times in the Word of God in this context. 1 Thessalonians 5.1, Daniel 2.21, Acts 1.7. And the Greek word for time, chronos, is where we get our word chronology. So what God is pointing out is God's pointing out is I have a chronology. Right? Have you ever had a chronological study of the Bible? You say, what's that? Well, I'm reading through the Bible as it happened. And and a chronological Bible just takes all the passages of Scripture and puts it in its chronological order. This happened, and then that happened, and then that happened, and then that happened. Well, this times and this seasons deals with uh, really God's calendar, God's clock, And the Apostle Paul, as he is writing to this young church, is trying to comfort their hearts. There are some that are fearful. Boy, we're headed to this day of the Lord. Oh no, we're going to be caught up in all of this destruction and darkness. And he's trying to comfort their hearts. He's trying to allow them to see the difference between the coming of the Lord and the day of the Lord. And, and let's never confuse the two, because once you do, the heart, the spirit changes dramatically. Listen, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the real McCoy. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the outlook here for the beast and the false prophet. I am on the up, and, up look, all right, for Jesus Christ. And it gives us a whole different disposition about life and ministry and what God wants to do in and through us in this moment. The one is, boy, let's just be about our Father's business and do all that we can do until Jesus comes, warning those that will be caught up in this horrific time that we know as the tribulation and then the great tribulation. So let's look at the timing of this, all right? It's just in important for us to know the shifting of the pronouns and the understanding here that the the chronology is such that first we have the return of the Lord and then we have the day of the Lord. Now, I don't know if there's a gap of days, weeks, months. I don't know. But this, the, the, the fury of the day of the Lord is laid out for us in the teaching of both the Old and the New Testament. So that's letter B, the teaching. What is the day of the Lord? You know, the word day in the scripture is very important. In Genesis chapter number 1 verse 5, the Bible talks about the evening and the morning. They were the first day. And there we have a definition of a 24-hour day, evening and morning. That makes the first day. But in Genesis chapter number 2, if you have your uh, Bible in front of you, there is a difference between the day that's referenced in verse number 3 and God blessed the seventh day, all right? The evening and the morning, that's the seventh day, that's a 24-hour day, with verse 4, these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, all right? So here we have a little broader understanding of the word day encompassing all six days of creation and the seventh day we know that God rested. There is a distinct difference between men's day 
and God's day or the day of the Lord. So let's start with a New Testament passage. Go with me to uh, 2 Peter chapter number 3. We had mentioned the one day with the Lord is a thousand days and a thousand, day, uh, a thousand years is a day. That's found in this passage. Go there with me. I want you to see it with your own eyes. 2 Peter chapter number 3. I'm in 1 Peter. That's not right. Several verses here. And the illustration is around the flood. And this makes absolutely sense to the child of God because we know what, we, we understand that Noah was safe, wasn't he? He was safe in an ark. Why? Because when God's wrath came down on the planet, which direction did Noah go? He went up. And then did he come back down? Yes. When the, the time of the flood and the wrath and the judgment of God was over, are we going up? Yes. When Jesus calls us home, are we coming back down? Yes. At the end of the seven-year tribulation for that thousand-year millennial reign. So that's a, that's a wonderful truth. Let me take you back here to verse number 4 and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of the Lord the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. That's a description of this day of the Lord. Let's read on. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, what was Noah? He was a preacher of what? Righteousness. And, and what was Noah doing there as they were preparing the ark? They were warning the people. Listen, the day of judgment's coming. The day when the Lord shows up is coming. The day when judgment falls, it's coming. But there's safety in the ark. Listen, that's our job. Every one of us need to be a Noah. And we need to be saying, listen, <laughs> the day of the Lord is coming. And there's safety in the ark. And the ark is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus, you have everlasting life. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't have everlasting life. And, and folks, as we're getting nearer and nearer to that day, we need more and more to be that Noah of our generation, crying out. Why? Because the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. He's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want folks to have to go into that day of the Lord, that time of judgment. Notice verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Well, we learned that already, didn't we? Not that the Lord's coming as a thief in the night. Remember, what's coming as a thief in the night? The day of the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Is that happening at the rapture, by the way? 
No, okay, I'm just checking, okay? Let's read on. Shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Is that happening at the rapture? No. When's that happening? Oh, that's the day of the Lord. That's the coming as a thief in the night. Got it, all right? And the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That ought to impact the church today. It ought to impact us in our heart because we realize that everybody in this world that's lost will experience this. And the horror of this as we slumber, as we sleep, Oh, that God would just shake us this morning to our core. That the only reason that we are here in this day, in this hour, is that we are to be occupying until he comes. I'm excited about next Sunday, but not because we're having tri-tip and not because we're having chicken and not because we're having a bounce house and not because we're having an after uh, uh, a church fellowship. I'm excited because the word of God's going to go out and the gospel's going to be preached. And as we go out and try to find our lost friends and invite them to this place, all oh, that God may be able to stir their heart for what purpose? Oh, to keep them from the day of the Lord. To let them be a part of that great company that's going to be caught up together with the Lord. What if you knew that September was the last month that we had to witness to whoever we were going to witness to? Let me ask you, would you, would you be a little bit different? Would your, would your priorities be a little bit different? When, when it comes to church attendance, I just wonder if your priorities would kind of uh, have a new focus if you knew that the last times I have on this earth to gather together with God's people are going to be our public services here at Crown Point Baptist Church. Or are you going to find yourself in the theater on a Sunday morning or Sunday night when we're meeting together? I, I know some Christians, they, oh, well, you know, Sunday's my day to go and, 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 and allow Hollywood to amuse me. Can I tell you something? The Word of God is much more powerful and it is able to change us more than some stupid Hollywood movie. And when our priorities are so mixed up that we've got to say Sunday afternoon, I'm just going to go and sit in air condition. Listen, we got air conditioning here. Oh, they, they got good seats. I got good seats here. But I'm just telling you, our priorities are all mixed up. The things that we think are so important are not going to be important at all when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Oh, we're going to stand before the Lord and it's going to be time of rewards and we're going to have empty hands. Why? Because we are so preoccupied with things that absolutely do not matter. And the souls of men and women and boys and girls are going to have to endure the day of the Lord because the church was asleep. Because we, we didn't take our, our job seriously. We thought, oh, you know, a little dab will do us. Remember that Brill Cream commercial from years ago? That's how we feel about Christ. Just a little dab. You know, as long as I get my little shot on Sunday morning, I'm a pretty good person. Really? Oh, that God would just help us to see that he teaches about this coming judgment. Can we go to some Old Testament passages just to clarify this day of the Lord? I want us to first go to Amos chapter number 5. Now, these books are not books that we're always going to as our go-to devotional reading. I, I realize that. The Minor Prophets. 
And yet there is a theme that runs through. These are the last books that are being written primarily to the Jewish people who, by the way, will be going through this day of the Lord if they're not saved Jewish people. And these minor prophets, they are warning concerning the day of the Lord. So Amos, chapter number 5. I want you to see a couple verses. First of all, verse number 18. Sobering. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. Well, that, that helps me. The day of the Lord, it's, it's, it's a day of darkness. It has nothing to do with Christians and the church and the second coming of Christ. Look at verse 20. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Can I just say, folks... If we're looking at dark days right now in certain states because of certain natural disasters, can you imagine worldwide? Can you imagine a darkness that the Bible speaks about? A, 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 a time of judgment on this old world. Go to Joel. Joel is just before Amos. Chapter number 2. There's a lot of verses on the day of the Lord in Joel. Well, let me read uh, chapter 1, verse 15, first of all. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Folks, you've got to understand the day of the Lord is God bringing judgment on us, a, a world that rejected His Son. It is God's fury on display against the people that have rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. Look at chapter number 2, verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, a day of darkness and a day of gloominess, a day of clouds of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it. Verse 3, a fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. Notice the desolation of the wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. Lord, this, this, this doesn't sound like I can take comfort if I'm in that. Comfort ye one another with these words. There's no comfort in the words concerning the day of the Lord. The comfort is in the words dealing with the return of Jesus. That's where the comfort comes from. Oh, for the church! Oh, happy day! For this lost world. What a horrific time. Look at verse 11. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? What a description. Would you look at chapter 2, verse 31? The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. You're going to find that same 
description of the tribulation in the book of Revelation. It's the day of the Lord. It's the coming of the day of the Lord. It's what happened at some point after the rapture. This day of the Lord will be endured by everyone that is lost. And that sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Wow. There is no way that for my worst enemy I would want them to go through this day of the Lord. As we continue looking at some verses here concerning the teaching of uh, the scripture on the day of the Lord. Zephaniah chapter number 1. Zephaniah, Haggai. Notice some verses beginning in verse 14. And this is very critical to get an understanding of why this 1 Thessalonians 5 text now makes sense. Zephaniah 1.14, the great day of the Lord is near, verse 14. It is near and hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of, can you say it with me if you're looking at it? That day, verse 15, is a day of what? Wrath. When we talk about the wrath of God, we're connecting that not to the rapture. We're connecting that to what? The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a day of wrath. It's a day of trouble. It's a day of distress, a day of wastedness, desolation, day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities, against the high towers, and I will bring distress. Put yourself in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane. And think about that everywhere. God will bring distress. Look at verse 18. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured. You say, I've got somewhere I'm going to run. Somewhere I'm going to go hide. No. God will find you out. My friend, if you're not saved... What are you waiting for? Do you really want to have to go through what most of the world will go through when God has provided a way of escape? Oh, some of you are sitting here as lost people. You're not saved. You think, I'd be too embarrassed if I I, I really got saved. Can I tell you, I was sitting in a service listening about hell and heard someone make a statement, and God never saved anybody for being a preacher. You know, God doesn't save you because you show up for church. God saves you because you trusted Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. Oh, God gives us this warning. Let's heed it today. How about Isaiah chapter 2? And I'm just going to read verse number 12 for lack of time. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty, upon every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. The day of the Lord is described by Jeremiah in the area of Jacob's trouble. See, God's going to deal with sinners all over the world, but he's also trying 
to rescue his own people. 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And he's trying to once again call his people to himself. And that's why we call it Jacob's trouble. God's trying to bring Israel back to the true God. Isaiah chapter 13. Would you notice with me some of these verses beginning in verse number 6. Howl ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint. Every man's heart shall melt. You'll find those descriptions in passages that deal with the day of the Lord and the book of Revelation. Therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart shall melt. And they, verse 8, they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. Remember we read that in chapter 5. On the day of the Lord, the illustration of that woman ready to give birth and the pains involved there. This is an Old Testament passage talking about the same event. The day of the Lord. Notice verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Verse 10, for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Listen, you're going to go out at night, you're going to say, what happened? Where's, where's, where's the stars? Where's the heavens? What's going on? My world's falling apart. Everything that I knew that was real and that was right, me living my godless life, living without God, no need of God, now all of a sudden the whole world's turned upside down. What happened? Oh, the church. (laughs) They were removed. And now the judgment of God is unleashed. Oh, as much as I desire for the Lord to come, my heart aches for everyone that will have to go through this horrible, horrible day. What's the purpose of the day of the Lord? Look at verse 11 of Isaiah 13. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. Boy, folks that are mocking God, laughing at God, shaking their fist at God. The day of the Lord is at hand. Verse 13 says, Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. could go on to Revelation chapter 6 and look at the seals as they start to open up. Verse 12 talks about the great earthquakes and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. It's all a description of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. So what have we looked at? We've seen his coming, the revelation, the return, the resurrection. We've seen the comfort in the rapture and the reunion. We've seen the calamity in the timing of it, in the teaching of it. And then the third C is the thief. Chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse number 2. Here you have the teaching on who the thief is. Let's go back there and we'll start to wrap this up. 1 Thessalonians Chapter number 5, verse number 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief 
in the night. As a thief in the night. Again, that description is linked to this day of the Lord. And this thief that's coming is not going to overtake the church. Let's just read another verse as I flip my uh, page to verse number 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day, the day of the Lord, should overtake you as a thief. A little bit later, folks, and stay with me, we're almost done. Again, the Apostle Paul is going to say comfort one another with these words. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, all hell is going to literally break loose on earth. The day of the Lord. But I want you to take comfort. Why? Because you're not going to get caught up in that day. The day is not for you. The scripture simply says, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. That's why that movie confuses Christians. Thief in the night. <gasps> Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. Never says Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. It says the day of the Lord's coming as a thief in the night. The whole world's going to not be expecting it. Matter of fact, life is going to get real good for the world because all of those pesky believers are gone. Yeah, that salt and light and conscience of the world is gone. And can I tell you something? All the things that were, uh, you know what salt does? It, it, it keeps back the decay. You know, salt in Bible time, they would put on meat to what? Hold back the decay. Can I tell you, we're here for one reason, to hold back the decay. We're here for one reason. We're to let our light so shine in this dark world. What is darkness? It's the absence of light. That's all it is. Take away light, and that's what you get. And when the church is the light, and we're to walk in the light, and then God takes the light and the Spirit of God out of this place, can you imagine for a little bit, all the world is going to say, hey, happy days are here again. We don't have to deal with all of those obnoxious Christians. It's going to be great. They'll have a one world ruler. Everything will be wonderful for a little bit. And then God's going to unleash his fury. And that's the day of the Lord. Aren't you glad this morning <laughs> that that day is not going to overtake you as a thief? I trust that this morning we'd have Two things that are going on in each of our hearts today. Number one, joy, because I'm saved. But number two, a tremendous concern for those folks all around us who are headed for the day of the Lord. What are we going to do with the time that we have left to get other people under the hearing of the word of God, to give other people an opportunity to hear the gospel? What are we going to do it's time to wake up. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.